and with me today is editor Reed Miller. We'll highlight some of the most important news from the last month affecting the exploding field of digital health. Reed, so you went to the Transcatheter Cardiovascular Therapeutics Conference in Boston in September. That's traditionally been a meeting where we learn about big advances in interventional devices like drug-eluting stents and transcatheter valves. But it's expanded beyond that. What can you tell us about this year's meeting, the first full-life TCT since the pandemic? That's right, Marian. So TCT is still mostly about the so-called hardware that's used in interventional procedures. But as with everything in healthcare these days, digital health is a part of every company's R&D and commercial strategy. Uh, that's everything ranging from new ways to diagnose cardiac disease with AI and imaging to the development of remote robotic interventions and a lot more. But in the short time we have now, I'd just like to highlight some of the comments at the conference um, from FDA Commissioner Robert Califf. He was part of a, a new session at the meeting called the MedTech Innovation Forum that had a lot of kind of broad, important conversations about the issues facing not just cardiology, but MedTech and healthcare in general. And in particular, Califf was there not just because he's FDA commissioner, of course, very important, but because his career has mostly been in developing the science of clinical trials and tr translational research, and mostly in cardiovascular medicine. That's his, his whole career at Duke. So he was addressing his colleagues and, and a lot of his friends at this conference. So it was really a great fit for him to be there. Um, his, his major theme during his talk and a lot of the conversation that came after it was just a lament kind of how badly the U.S. is doing in translating all of our technological and economic advantages into public health improvements. He said it's the job of the FDA to work with the industry to help address those problems, um, but there's a lot of work to do. He stressed that unlike other countries, we don't really have much coordination in our healthcare system. Of course, anybody who's ever had to deal with the healthcare system uh, knows that. And that's obviously a problem that digital health would potentially be able to help to address if we just had the political will and, and could get a lot of the companies and healthcare systems to work together. One of his quotes was, we're essentially inventing technology and the rest of the world is figuring out how to use it better, he said. For example, he mentioned Israel, uh, which was able to tackle COVID-19 much more efficiently than the U.S. because, you know, of course, it's a small country, but it was able to coordinate its response much more effectively than the U.S., which had 50 different states different cities all doing their own thing, and it was a big mess. He also said, we don't have a system that generates a continuous stream of evidence. So it is difficult in practice, he said, to figure out what the actual worth is of a new technology. Our inability to develop population-wide evidence is one of the reasons why the U.S. spends so much per capita on healthcare. He showed you know, the data that we've all seen on that. And yet we've now fallen behind even China in life expectancy. He made a big point of that. And what he said was that means we're spending a lot of money on therapies that don't help much. I think we kind of all know that. But we also are not spending enough on interventions that we do know that can help. And some of those are actually relatively inexpensive in terms of lifestyle changes and that sort of thing. And part of that is because our system just doesn't do a very good job of helping people who are not well-educated or wealthy um, or plugged into the, the, you know, the top-tier medical system. Again, that's something that could be helped by better coordination and digital information. That was an impressive group of panelists. Readers should look at MedTech Insight for all of your stories from TCT, Reed. 
Speaking of how technology can improve access to healthcare, you've covered the emerging field of point of care ultrasound. And there was recently some good news from Butterfly Network about how they're using that technology to help people in rural Africa. That's right. So Butterfly Network is deploying 500 Butterfly IQ Plus, that's the name of it, handheld ultrasound devices in Kenya to support maternal and fetal health in a region where childbirth complications are relatively common. Supported by a $5 million grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Butterfly will supply 1,000 healthcare workers in sub-Saharan Africa with Butterfly IQ Plus systems while accelerating the launch of new maternal and fetal health capabilities for the system. Uh, in their presentation, they pointed out that a lot of the others that were examined with with this uh, butterfly system had never had an ultrasound before. We think of that as being kind of standard for a new mother, and yet there it's it's still relatively uncommon. So many midwives and other healthcare providers around the world, you know, have never had access to ultrasound technology at all. Portable care ultrasound or any other kind of ultrasound before. So Butterfly is working with the Global Ultrasound Institute to train providers how to use these devices. Software developer Jampf and Kenyatta University, which is a, a big university there in Nairobi, are also contributing expertise to this project. Now, that's just one example of how healthcare benefits from these ultrasound probes that are designed to just fit into the doctor's pocket and work off of a, a smartphone like an iPhone. Now, we've also written about a company called Echo, it's spelled EXO, uh, that offers a, a kind of similar technology insofar as a point-of-care ultrasound. The idea is that it goes in your pocket and works with a with the cell phone. And they've been focusing not just on the, the probe itself, which is based on you know sort of a silicon um, technology but also the digital infrastructure that supports it because as it is right now if the doctor takes image with a point of care ultrasound probe they might not actually have any good way to integrate the data in that image or the image itself into the patient's record so that other doctors and nurses can see it and do anything with it uh, i talked to them before and they said that sometimes you know the doctors will have this great this great image that they've taken, but the only way to kind of integrate it into the patient record is just to kind of attach it as a PDF or, or something clumsy like that. It can't really, can't really capture the data. So Echo is trying to fix that and they've developed a comprehensive workflow for POCUS images and they've made some strategic acquisitions around not just the, the device itself, but around all the software that supports it. I talked to their CEO, Sandeep Akaraju, about how the company is trying to make uh, POCUS, as we call it, easy to use for any doctor in a whole variety of fields, cardiology, pulmonology, OBGYN, etc. So readers can look forward to seeing a lot more news in the development of that technology um, down the road. I think it actually could make a huge difference in how patients experience healthcare at the point of care. Thanks for that, Reed. And staying on the top of radiology, I had the great pleasure to interview the CEO of ADOC, Elad Bala. The startup deploys AI-based software to create workflow efficiencies and care coordination beyond just helping radiologists spot abnormalities, for which the software is mainly used right now with its clients. In Tel Aviv, and New York, and the company has raised a total of $250 million. The most recent financing round was a Series D in July, which raised $110 million. The CEO told me that the company plans to use the new funding to expand the integration and orchestration of multiple AI solutions under one unified vendor-agnostic operating system. 
Right now, hospitals and health systems work with many different companies that are doing their own unique integration, as well as apps that are also each doing their own different workflows, which is just not sustainable. And Mr. Wallach believes that EDA can really set itself apart by creating one solution that integrates all of these systems onto one platform. All right. Well, that's very interesting, Marian. Now, right now, the company helps radiologists read images. Is that right? Yes, so the solution includes radiology, cardiology, and neuroscience, and it's being used at more than a thousand medical centers in the U.S., in Europe, Israel, Brazil, and Australia, the CEO told me, and he also says that it's highly accurate. That said, he is very quick to emphasize that the solution is not designed to replace radiologists but rather to augment what they do and help them become more efficient by flagging cases that need immediate attention. In the future, he envisions that the technology can be used to help streamline communication among specialists through the electronic medical record system, as well as notify doctors on their smartphone if a critical event happens. And those are just a few examples of how he envisions the technology will develop over time. You can find more details in my recent story on that company. So that's all for this month's Digital Health Roundup. You can find the archive of our Digital Health Roundups and all of our podcasts at medtechinsight.com. Just click on the podcasts link on the top of the page. There you can also find links to the podcasts produced by our colleagues on Script, Pink, and HBW Insight. And all of our podcasts are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other major podcast platforms. Thank you and have a great fall. And if you're attending Advomet next week, the big MedTech conference in Boston, look for me and my colleague, Brian Bosetta. We will be on site in Boston covering all of the important issues and trends. Thank you for listening.